Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Killer Cocktails Podcast, and this week we are drinking the hot buttered rum. Hot buttered rums. I was not a fan of this in theory, because it sounded gross. There's hot buttered rum. <laughs> <laughs> it, <clears throat> I don't think of rum as being a super American drink, which apparently in all it's my research, pirates. it's like, it. That <laughs> I assume like islands, pirates... And that is honestly, I mean, it is islands and it is pirates, but the Americas for having like booze and stuff, people would get molasses. This is like back in the triangle trade. And then you're making that like rum is a very apparently also American thing. Like before whiskey was our thing, mm -hmm. it was rum. Curious. And uh, yeah, so like I'll, I'll get into that, but uh, that was kind of a revelation to me. Yeah. Um, well, we, I didn't know what I was getting into when you told me we should do this drink. I didn't really know what was in it either. I just know that when my parents found out about the podcast, they were like, you got to do hot buttered rums. And I was like, okay, you seem to care a lot. <laughs> this is a shout out to you, Kit. Thanks yeah. for listening. Kit and Walt, here you go. Um, but yeah, you came over to the house, you you pulled out the bottle of rum, and then you pulled out a pound of butter, a pound of brown sugar, a pound of white sugar, and you pulled out a whole thing of ice cream. Yeah. And I was like, what are you trying to do to me? So I was off today. You were stuck at work. And I looked through a ton of di different recipes and the ones that had the highest reviews and ratings mm -hmm. and people describing it as delicious were people that made a batter and then made the hot buttered rum from the batter. Yeah. And you're only using like a tablespoon of batter. You're not putting a ton of the batter in. It's a tablespoon of the batter, an ounce of rum, and then you fill it with hot water. Yeah. And maybe you sprinkle some nutmeg or cloves or something on top. The recipe I just told you made us a whole trough of batter yeah yeah and we talked about this before we started you were like why don't we just half the recipe and i every time i've tried to alter a recipe even though the math of it makes sense mm -hmm. it doesn't work so i knew going into this that we were gonna have a ton left over yeah and everyone was like you just store it in your freezer it's good for three months we made three mason jars of this stuff mm -hmm. so we'll gift it out we'll like people will benefit from our yeah, we'll take it to work. That of sugar, <laughs> sugar batter. Um, it's super good, though. It's tasty. It's, it's tasty. We put a little nutmeg on top. Yeah. And we get a little pumpkin spice just to I went with a. Up. I went with a Tillamook vanilla bean vanilla ice cream. Mm -hmm. I was like, let's get some flavor in there. Mm. So that I, you can taste the vanilla in there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, so we have a lot of batter. My heart is racing. I've had two of these. <laughs> and then midway through, because we, I've considered this like the fancy version. Yeah. So I was like, well, let's do. This was the from scratch batter version. Yeah. I was like, let's do the like quick and dirty way. And so in our heads, it was. Well, no, online. Oh, online? I, I also read this okay. online. It was water, rum, and then butter. And like a little and brown a little bit sugar. Of, and a little bit of sugar. <sighs> oh my God. So when, like there are two schools of thought that I kept coming across for recipes. And that was the cheap and easy way where mm -hmm. you put your rum in boiling water a little bit of sugar and uh what am i missing oh and your butter and what everyone kept saying about that version where you just put a pad of butter in mm -hmm. is you get this like oil slick on top which i definitely saw when we made it that I way tasted that yeah you're just drinking butter water Ugh. and like butter water with some spices it's sweet it tastes like 
rum, not a like well-crafted cocktail in, in my opinion. Like, yeah, you can do it. But the batter, while it's a little bit more work, and again, you could math it out, make less. The work, it was nothing like making the snowballs. It was super easy. And then again, and then, so here's the deal now. You keep that jar of batter in your freezer. Mm -hmm. Three weeks from now, a month from now, like you'd be like, oh, you know what? I feel like a hot buttered rum. You take a little spoon, (laughs) go into your freezer, take a spoon of the, like just whoop. Thing could be frozen? Yeah, but like ice cream. Like it's not going to get, it won't be like rock hard. Okay, okay, okay. So you're... In theory, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to scoop it out, plop a little dollop into a glass, a little bit of rum, hot water, and you're good to go. Yeah. In theory, in the future, super simple. Yeah. I like it. I definitely recommend this one. It's not my favorite. Not my favorite, but tasty. Yeah, but tasty. I get why people like it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah. Right. What about the history of this drink? Let's see here. Who concocted this diabetes? Oh, first of all, get ready, folks. <gasps> Because oh, National yeah. Hot Buttered Rum Day is it's, coming up. It's a couple days away. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this, today's today's Monday the 14th. On the 17th is National Hot Buttered Rum Day. So today is your day. Get all the ingredients and get it all ready by Thursday and then make yourself a hot And do the batter. Rum. Don't go. Do the batter. You know, don't go chasing waterfalls. <sighs> Stick to the rivers and lakes that you're used to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, so it's a mixed drink containing rum, butter, hot water, or cider. So you can also, like, heat up a cider, and instead of hot boiling water, you can fill it with cider, which oh. I, I imagine it's got to yeah. flavor town it up. So in the United States, hot buttered rum's history uh, goes back all the way to the colonial days. Mm. So uh, in the 1650s, way back. Way back. Uh, when Jamaica began importing molasses to colonial America... So New England, you know, up in the 13 original colonies, oh my God. <laughs> uh, they started opening distilleries where they began adding distilled rum to hot beverages like hot toddies and nogs. Like, so they had hot drinks already and now they've got this rum coming up from down below. Yeah. Um, and then hot buttered rum kind of comes out of that. So there's no like this person made up the hot buttered rum. It's not contentious that this one hotel thinks they did it and this other bar thinks they did it. Yeah. It's just kind of always been a part of colonial sure. America. I mean, um, that's what they had. They had sugar and they had the yeah. rum and why not? And spices. And spices from afar. Hot buttered rum is made by blending a buttered rum batter with dark rum. Uh, dark rum has been barrel aged uh, for an extended amount of time, and it gives it a more intense kind of molasses flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, people who prefer a milder or spicier taste can use a spiced rum or a light mm. rum. You can kind of play with the recipe for what suits you. Yeah. Um, again, if you want to do cider instead of water, if you like that cider flavor, there's what, a lot of um, little... What whiskey or what rum did we use this time? We used Mount Gay, which is a Barbados rum nice yeah i just had it at my house and i was like well i don't have to buy rum i'll just bring this one um yeah always be uh conscious of your your budget here folks yeah and in your taste profiles get what you like yeah oh okay i feel like you told this in a a previous one how the navy has up until like a silly recent uh daily rations of alcohol have we talked about that uh i talked about the whole scurvy thing with the lime and the the, yeah their gin but the navy's We'll look into this and get the actual numbers to it. Yeah. But up until like, not the 70s, but like a year that still seems more recent than it should, you yeah. would get a, like a, a an allowance of booze as a Navy officer. Every day? I don't know if it's every day or every week, yeah. but like you'd get an allotment. And Was when that the, to control the drinking? 
or I'd just because, or just because, <laughs> oh my god, and have a or great just because that's what's expected. So when the British Royal Navy captured Jamaica in 1655, rum replaced brandy as the sailors' daily ration. Oh, so you used to get brandy every day, yeah. But now we got all this molasses and stuff, so now you have rum as your daily ration of booze because yeah. you're a sailor. <laughs> Um. Okay, so it kind of makes its way up. So there's this guy. So in an article on Liquor.com, Liquor.com making its second appearance here on Thank you, Liquor.com. Um, this dude, Wayne Curtis, so he has a, a book called And a Bottle of Rum, A History of the New World in Ten Cocktails. So he quotes this guy, David Embry, uh, who is this fancy bartender man who has this book that comes out in 1948, who goes, the lump of butter is the final insult. It <laughs> blends with the hot rum just about as sa- satisfactorily as warm olive oil blends with champagne. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that second so cocktail we made. There's that's... this dude who's saying these people who like just plop this thing of butter in here, like nothing about this is appetizing. Yeah. So this Curtis guy is saying, however, when done right, Hot buttered rum is nothing short of comfort food in a mug. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, you have to make the batter. It has to be thick. It's a mixture of softened butter, brown and white sugar, spices, vanilla ice cream, that the batter is what keeps it from becoming this slick of grease yeah. on the top. Yeah. That's how you make it where it doesn't, where everything kind of blends together nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so there's, again, no no creator of the drink, just kind of generations of early americans take on the same yeah thing that's crazy i like that yeah and again join us in drinking these hot butter rums while listening or on the 17th of january which is hot butter rum day yeah maybe today was maybe like this was your first attack at the drink and now you know that you like it and you want to do it again Mm -hmm. or some little additions you want to make to it yeah definitely all right, I think it's murder time. It's murder time. Murder time. Strap on in. Let's go for an adventure. <laughs> murder time. <laughs> Sorry. Murder time. Murder time. Okay. <clears throat> Jackie, I'm going to tell you about Dr. Marcel Andre Henry Felix Petou. How many names did you just say? One, two, three, four, and five. All right. Yeah. I'm ready for this because I just listened to the podcast Dr. Death. Yeah, you're all about that. I'm you keep... loving doctor stuff right now. I need to I need to get on that podcast. It's really good. Um, okay, so Dr. Marcel. So Marcel was born on January 17th. Yeah. That's why I kept... <laughs> Your tie is so funny. <laughs> you have to make sure you tell people where not buttered rum day is. Make sure you... It's the 17th. You have to tell everyone. I just really wanted to hit home because this is one of my ties. <laughs> okay so i don't know how you find your stories <laughs> like i kind of anyway google man i know millennial yeah. <laughs> also millennial but but what's my special term millennial x zennial zennial there you go because i remember butting butting uh... <laughs> i remember that too <laughs> <laughs> um okay Marcel was born on January 17th, 1897. Oh, old. Here we go. An old doctor story. Yeah. And forgive me because this happens mainly in France and so French. <laughs> do we have Google helping us again? No, I like try to do it phonetically. And now that I'm looking at it, I don't remember. Well, French is, French is a romance language. You kind of speak Spanish. I feel like you'll be it'll be a little easier. Okay. So, so he was born in Usser, France. 
Not much is known about his childhood, but there are several stories out there about it. However, nothing can be confirmed. 18 when? 1897. Okay. So what I was reading is like, it's all kind of out there in the ether and like they're not sure if it's real or not people are saying that they filled in the gaps after the fact after learning what he did later in life Mm -hmm. um but what is known is that a psychiatrist diagnosed him as mentally ill on march 26 1914 and he was so this is a 1914 psychiatrist as well yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he was uh, expelled from school many times uh, during World War One, Marcel was drafted into the French infantry in January of 1916. During the war, he was wounded and gassed and exhibited symptoms of a mental breakdown. Okay. Which I think is normal. Yeah. Um, he was sent to several uh, rest homes where he was arrested for stealing army blankets and jailed in Orleans. Um, in a psychiatric hospital in fleurias boulet he was again diagnosed with various mental ailments and was returned to the front on June 1918. Hmm. He was then transferred three weeks later after he shot himself in the foot, <laughs> but was sent to a new regiment in uh, like in September. So he's like, he should be taken out of the military, but he just keeps getting thrown back in. If that's depending on how hard up for soldiers they are. Yeah, it's World War One. Like I get it. Bone spurs aren't going to get you out of it. No. <laughs> Shooting um, yourself in the foot <laughs> apparently will not get you out of it. Could you I wonder if he did that on purpose. How are you doing? I like if you're cleaning your gun. Like how are you shooting? He shot himself in the foot. I mean, Plaxico Burris of New York Giants fame shot himself in the groin ah! on accident because ah! he had a gun tucked in his waistband at a club. Maybe he had his gun in his boot. So. Because I can see not wanting to be a soldier anymore in the war and being mm-hmm. like, dude, I'll shoot myself in the foot and they can't make me stay here. And thinking, <laughs> thinking that'll get you out of it. And I can also see accidentally shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so then he was finally able to get another diagnosis of mental illness and he was discharged with a disability pension. Okay. So he's finally out. Uh, so after the war, Marcel entered an accelerated education program for war veterans. He completed a medical school degree in eight months um what's the normal back then oh, i don't know that's true that still seems fast that's super fast i don't care if like it's now i'd say it's probably like depending on what your specialty is like let's round about say it's like 10 years yeah. schooling to be a doctor probably so more let's half it and say it five. was maybe five back then yeah regardless eight months seems pretty quick insane so in the membrane <laughs> oh jesus insane in the brain <laughs> So he gets this medical degree and he becomes an intern at the Evu Mental Hospital. Uh, he received his medical degree. Oh, maybe he hasn't received it. Then he receives his medical degree in December of 1921 and he moves to uh, Venerseun to start practicing medicine. Mm. Um, at this point, he was addicted to several narcotics. Mm. He got the reputation for being the local underground doctor, a.k.a. he was giving out unneeded narcotics to whoever wanted it, and he was performing abortions, which were illegal at the time. Okay. Is this back in the diet where they're like... Where there's cocaine and Coca-Cola and like... Oh, yeah. yeah they're yeah. giving people morphine for headaches and mm-hmm. stuff? Okay. Yeah. Uh, which we'll talk about later. Mm. Uh, so Marcel is living this high life. Hey. 
Oh my god. Because he's doing drugs. Um, so Marcel is living this high life, and he starts having an affair with uh, Louise Dulevu in 1926. She was the daughter of an elder, elderly patient of Marcel's. Um, so they're having this affair, and then Louise just vanishes. And neighbors said that they had seen Marcel load a suspicious trunk into his car. Uh-oh. Police investigated, but eventually dis- dismissed Louise as a runaway. It's the easiest one. Yeah. Oh, they <laughs> ran away. Oh, those silly women. <laughs> Always running away. Um, at the same time, um, or the, during that same year, Marcel decided to run for mayor of the town <laughs> um, and hired an accomplice to disrupt a political debate with his opponent, and Marcel won the debate. Interesting. So once in office, he embezzled from the town funds. Uh-oh. And then in 1927, he married um, Georgette Lable, and their son was born the next year. So he's super into drugs. He has this quote-unquote medical degree, and he's practicing medicine, and now he's a like a mayor of this town. Um, this is interesting. Isn't this weird? Uh, so the local chief officer received... Like, unfit to be in the military. Yeah. But somehow fit to be a doctor and fit to be mayor of a town. And a politician. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the local chief officer received numerous complaints about Marcel's theft of the town's funds and other shady dealings. Mm-hmm. Marcel was eventually suspended as mayor in August of 1931, and he resigned. Okay. So five, le- five weeks later, however, on October 18th, he was elected as a counselor for another district. Jeez. In 1932, he was accused of stealing... Is he, like, super charming? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Yeah. Um, in 1932, he was accused of stealing electric power from the village, and um, he lost his seat in the council. But so Stealing there- <laughs> electric? Okay. So he's, like, in the midst of that chaos, and he's like, peace, I'm out. I'm going to Paris. Okay. And so um, in Paris, Marcel started to get new patients um, with his not-so-credible c- credentials, and he built an impressive reputation for his practice. Um, however, people started hearing about how he performed the illegal abortions and he was given drugs out. Um, but despite all the rumors in 1936, he was given authority to write death certificates. The same year, he was briefly institutionalized for kleptomania. This is an interesting (laughs) dude. But was released the following year, all while evading taxes. (laughs) Um, a little aside that I didn't put in here. Um, one patient, um, tried to sue him because he had given his son like too much of a narcotic and he was like a child and he confronted Marcel and he's like, dude, you almost killed my son. And Marcel was like, why? He's a little brat anyways. He's not doing anything to better anyone's lives. Who cares if he dies? Whoa. (laughs) Thanks doc. (laughs) That reminds me of that one where you were telling where the, in the trial they were talking to the guy. This was the one where they had run them down in the car. And then the guy was just like, I mean, it's the same as killing game. Yeah. Yeah. This like just weird detached. Mm-hmm. Strange. So then World War II starts. Marcel began to provide false medical certificates to French citizens who were drafted to force labor into Germany. He was also convicted in July of 1942 of overprescribing narcotics, despite the fact that two addicts who would have testified against him had disappeared. So these two okay. drug addicts he had been supplying drugs were supposed mm-hmm. to testify against him. Now they're gone. They're out of the picture. Um, just like everyone else, they're all vanishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for this crime, he he was found guilty and he was fined 2,400 francs, which I could not find the conversion in today's money. I don't know why. It was super weird. I like tried all yeah. different sorts of calculators. So if anyone in France who knew, knows this, let us know. Uh, so on top of all of this, Marcel started telling people... 
that he had developed secret weapons that supposedly killed Germans without leaving forensic evidence, and that he had high-level meetings with Allied commanders. He engaged in resistant activities, a.k.a. he was planting booby traps all over Paris, and worked with a group of... I love the French Revolution, like (laughs) the... Viva la resistance. Yeah. Like all the underground. Like I love stories like that. <laughs> so this guy is kind of delusionally. I'm part of it all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm in glorious, glorious bastards yeah. over here. Yeah. yeah. And he also said that he worked with a group of anti-fascist Spaniards. So he's, you know. Yeah. Ideas of grandeur going mm-hmm. on right now. Um, but Marcel's. Most... Or he is. You don't know. I do know. <laughs> <laughs> You know he wasn't setting up booby traps? You don't know. (laughs) Um, But Marcel's most lucrative business was his own escape route that he called Fly Talks. He adopted the codename Dr. Eugene. He accepted anyone who could afford his price of 25,000 francs per person, regardless of whether they were Jewish, resistant fighters, or criminals. You have the money? Money talks. Yeah, let's do this. Money walks. (laughs) Money, money dances. <laughs> um, through local connections, Marcel was put into contact with people in need of escaping the war. Yeah. So Mar- Marcel would meet up with these people and tell them he could arrange a safe pass- passage to Argentina or elsewhere in South America. He also said that the Argentinian officials demanded all travelers have inoculations before arrival. So Marcel... Was he sending down to... What? My... Because there was a bunch of Germans who mm-hmm. fled to Argentina. In Chile. Argent- yeah. So is it Germans he's sneaking down there or French people? Well, he was saying Jewish. So anybody. Anyone, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is tickling my excitement bone because <laughs> I like one of my top five favorite movies is The Great Escape. Yeah. Absolutely love. I don't know if I've seen that. Oh, you should. Yeah. There's a great book by Paul Brickhill. You should watch and then there's a great Hercules. Movie. If I watch Hercules, you have to watch The Great Escape. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. So he's getting people down to South America. He's he's a man of the people. <laughs> but he's... Okay. So he was... Yeah, union inoculations, the fact that he's a doctor. Like, he's really good at this underground. Yeah. Marcel's like, I can give you the the vaccines before you go. This will, We'll do this all in one go, and then we'll push you out. Yeah. However, he wasn't actually inject... Oh. Ba, ba, ba. However... I'm going to guess, like, saline? He's not giving them real inoculations? Oh, here we go. However, he was actually injecting them with cyanide. That's not saline. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's crazy. Yeah. See, okay. He's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. He uh, would then take all their valuables and dispose of their bodies. Because these are people who are trying to just go off into the They're wind. They're trying to, to vanish. disappear. Yeah. Drea, this is crazy. Oh, it gets crazier. You're no, you don't even know. You okay. don't even know. Poor Kyle was sitting next to me last night when I was reading this. And I was like, Kyle, and I kept this hitting him. And he had to keep taking out his headphones. <laughs> he was like, what? <laughs> <clears throat> so at first, Marcel dumped the bodies in the scene, which is the commercial waterway mm-hmm. that goes through Paris. Um, but he later destroyed the bodies by submerging them in quicklime or by incinerating them. In 1941. The lady. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Jackie. Um, in 1941, uh, Marcel bought a house at 21 Rue La Cire. Okay. Let me know how my French is. Okay. <laughs> what Marcel failed to do was to keep a low profile. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to say this wrong. The Gestapo, which is the official secret police of Nazi Germany. 
Gestapo. Gestapo. Yeah, there you go. Gestapo. Um, eventually found out about him. And by April of 1943... Because this is German-occupied France. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This is World War World War Two going yeah. on. And that's why everyone's escaping from the war. Oh, my God. This is so good. This is... This is not a movie? Um, or I wanna, like a great non-fiction... Like, I want to say... Uh, historical fiction book? Foreign films have been made from this, but I'd, I'd have that's to a, look this up... This is a great story. It gets crazier why do people keep remaking old great movies make (laughs) here's a story uh what marcel failed to do was to keep a low profile though the gestapo which is the official secret police of nazi germany you want to be keeping a low profile when the gestapo are looking for people yeah yeah um so the gestapo eventually found out about what he was doing yeah and uh by april of 1943 um they they honed in on his escape route so they don't know he's killing people they think that he's getting people out Okay. Of the war. And they're like, mm mm mm, not under our reign. So the guest- If they knew about him killing people, they'd probably be stoked about it. <laughs> oh, uh, you're killing people trying to escape? Right on, brother. They would, um, so the Gestapo were like, we got to investigate this guy and shut him down. So this agent named Robert uh, Judkum forced a prisoner named Yvan Dreyfus to make contact with Marcel and see how his escape route worked. The only thing was, Yvan never came back. Mm hmm. <laughs> That poor prisoner of war. Yeah. <laughs> um, later, a, a, a later informer success, successfully infiltrated the operation, and the Gestapo arrested Marcel's local connections. Okay. And um, under torture, they confessed that Dr. Eugene was Marcel. Um, on March 6, 1944, neighbors noticed that the smoke from the chimney of Marcel's house smelled noxious. Uh, okay, so when neighbors went to complain... Um, on March 11th, they found a note on the door that said that Marcel would be away for a month and just forward my mail <laughs> to this other. Have you told me this story before? I think I, I've heard it before and I think I, I told you bits and parts of it. Okay. Um, but now you're getting the full detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so neighbors were just like, we can't wait a month. We have to do something about this. So they call the police and the police come down. They see the note and they call Marcel and Marcel's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be there in 30 minutes. And, um, you know, Marcel still hasn't shown up. So the police were like, well, we got to get this fire contained because it's like it's starting to move. This is coming out of the chimney? It's, current, it's starting to come out of the chimney and the but smell it, is just super bad. But okay. it's starting to it looks like it could spread. They're, okay. they're worried it will spread. Got it. So they call the fire department and uh, the fire department gets there and they go through a second story window and they just find. Excuse me. <laughs> um, and they just find body parts and bodies just strewn all about. over. Ew. Yeah. Um, three officers went downstairs where a coal-fed stove was found burning full blast and a human arm was dangling from its open door. We- weird. Yeah. Oh, isn't that a terrifying... He's like starting to burn the body and then he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just out of here. I think he And he has... just leaves the fire burning with a bunch of bodies still left to be burned. I don't know. He has another apartment in paris so he went to that one i want to say he's running errands and he's like oh and he's just like stoking the fire in between chores I, that's how i'm envisioning it yeah. <laughs> so weird <laughs> and he's like oh i gotta get some tea oh fuck this arm i'll be back <laughs> weird um so nearby a heap of coal was mixed with human bones and fragments of several dismembered bodies yeah but this is the crazy part marcel did show up and he claimed that he was a member of the French resistance and said that the bodies were all German traitors and collaborators. 
Um, because people in general approved of resistant activities, the police were reluctant, reluctant to arrest Marcel, so they released him. What a spinner of words. Uh-huh. Yeah. You did catch me with a bunch of bodies in here. Yeah, those are my bodies. Vive la resistance. <laughs> this is crazy. My brothers. Mm-hmm. Wow. Meanwhile, police continued to investigate the bodies in the house. In Marcel's garage, police found a large heap of quicklime mixed with human remains, including a scalp and jawbone. A pit had been dug in the stable and filled with more quicklime and corpses in various stages of How decomposition. How did he kill? I'm going to tell you. On the staircase leading from the courtyard to the basement. This is on a staircase. Mid-staircase. Police found a canvas sack containing the headless left half of a corpse, which was also missing its foot and vital organs. This is weird. Mm-hmm. The basement also had sinks large enough for draining corpses of blood, and it had a soundproof chamber with wall-mounted shackles no. and a peephole in Ew. its door looking in. Oh, he's twisted. <laughs> oh, he's a weirdo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, altogether, they found the mutilated remnants of at least 10 victims, though the chief coroner, Albert Paul, told reporters that the number 10 is vastly inferior to the real one. In addition to identifiable bones and body parts, Dr. Paul cataloged 33 pounds of charred bones, 24 pounds of unburned fragments, 11 pounds of human hair, 11 pounds, mm -hmm, including more than 10 whole scalps, and three garbage cans full of pieces too small to identify ew mm -hmm. yeah the paris police uh commissioner um georges victor mazus uh took charge of the investigation he was in the midst of trying to figure out um if marcel was telling the truth or not when he received a telegram saying that the germans were ordering marcel to be arrested as a quote-unquote dangerous lunatic so, to Paris police, it looked like maybe Marcel was fighting against the Germans. Yeah. But police did decide to check out Marcel's other apartment um, in Paris, which was across town and abandoned. But it was filled with a large amount of chloroform and various poisons, plus 50 times the typical physician's stock of heroin and morphine. Dude. <laughs> Um, so on June 6, 1944, the police had to put the investigation on hold when the Normandy invasion began. Whoa. Mm -hmm. It gets so crazy. Just wait. There's more? There's so much more. Okay. During the next seven months, Marcel hid with friends, claiming that the Gestapo wanted him because he had killed Germans and informers. Marcel eventually grew out his beard and started using various aliases. Okay. When the resistance and the Paris police rose against German troops in Paris, Marcel adopted the name Henry Valéry and joined the French forces of the interior. He became a captain in charge of counter-espionage and prisoner interrogations. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. When the newspaper, quote-unquote, resistance published an article about Marcel, his defense attorney from the 1942 narcotics case received a letter in which his fugitive client, Marcel, claimed that the published allegations were mere lies so this gave police a hint that marcel was still in paris yeah and the search um began again and um henry valerie aka marcel was among those who were drafted to find 
himself. This is ridiculous. This is like Count of Monte Cristo. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> Could you imagine he's out there? Oh, I wonder where he is. <laughs> Wasn't there there's some, I can't remember what it was, where this woman went missing and then encounters a group that's out looking for her and joins the group looking for herself as a missing person. What? And she didn't realize Yeah, it? she's like a hiker. Or I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but like they're wandering around and she's helping look for herself. Oh, she's just a good Samaritan. She's yeah. like, yeah. Anyway, I'll help. Oh, my God. So ridiculous. So, dude is looking for himself. That is so funny. <laughs> While being uh, a captain. Yeah. Um. So oh, he's just up to some shit. Yeah. You know, I just see I see him going home at night and just being like, he's, so, he's got to be so proud of himself. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. He's brushing that shoulder off. Uh, uh, uh. So, finally, on October 31st, Marcel was recognized at a Paris metro station and arrested. Among his possessions were a pistol, 31,700 fran- francs, and 50 sets of identity documents. 50 sets? 50. Okay. Boom. So, Marcel was placed... Why is he walking around with 50 sets of identity papers? Just in case he needs to be Pedro or Marco or... I guess. Antonio. <laughs> Marcel goes to trial. Yeah. Uh, prosecutors eventually charged him with at least 27 murders for profit. They estimated that he made over 200 million francs from everyone he stole from. That's insane. Especially once you figure out what a franc means. Yeah, and today's money. Right um, now, it's just ballpark francs. Just hot dogs. <laughs> I love ballpark hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite because like, I think it's just like, you know, getting all marinated in that tinfoil. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> would you count a, a costco dog in the same is it the same if, ballpark as a ballpark fact? if it's not a fresh bun i want that bun marinating in that humidity for a little bit i don't want a fresh bun yeah because sometimes they're real good and sometimes i'm like this bun is just a bun okay i see what you're saying <laughs> um pro tip for costco <laughs> so marcel went on trial on march 19th 1946 facing 135 criminal charges Dang. He admitted to killing just 19 of the 27 victims found, his, found in his house and claimed that they were Germans and collaborators, part of the total of 63 enemies killed. Dang. Uh, Marcel was convicted of 26 counts of murder and sentenced to death by beheading. Oof. And this is just, I thought, a little... This is in the 40s? They're beheading people? That's France. I guess. Um, Any fucking mutilated everyone oh i know i'm just surprised we're still beheading people in the 40s i mean i feel like we were still hanging people in the united states until like I don't, beheading just seems so like like king george the guy with the the gimp not the gimp what's that the Excu- executioner's hood yeah there you go <laughs> um on the day of his execution the guil- guillotine malfunctioned and his execution was postponed Ooh. until a portable guillotine was delivered to the prison which i just imagine yeah. was folding out of a call <laughs> your guillotine guy <laughs> we need another one all right this is my second tie okay i got two Ooh, ties double dip okay we got january 17th and marcel was offered the traditional glass of rum and cigarette before his death a traditional glass of rum and mm-hmm. a cigarette before you die yes it's real classy yeah i'll be like can i have a bottle of rum Rum. Before I die. <laughs> um, but Marcel refused the, the rum and just took the cigarette. 
He also agreed to meet with the prison chaplain for his wife's sake, telling the minister, I'm not a religious man and my conscience is clean. Hmm. Marcel was finally beheaded on May 25th. Dang. Yeah. That's a crazy story. I told you it was about to be a murder adventure. It is crazy. I would love for this to be a movie or like an, a detailed book. There might be. But I, I didn't I'll, see it. That's, it's so intricate. I think a like inspired by like not necessarily a nonfiction, but like a historical fiction would do would be just right. Yeah. And then they'd, they'd like make it into a slightly shitty movie, but I'd still watch it. Oh, yeah. You hear that, Hollywood? Yeah. Ooh, you know what I would prefer to a movie? I would prefer a miniseries. Ooh, Netflix. Pick it up. Pick it a up. Netflix pick it up. miniseries and HBO miniseries. Like, yeah. give me five episodes. Do the story Long. justice. Yeah. Game of Thrones is going to end and we're all going to need something. Ah. Oh, that was my murder. Nice murder. <laughs> I liked it. Good um, murder. I don't think we'll take a break because we... We have already had two. Yeah. And we tried the shitty poor man's version. Don't recommend it. Don't recommend it. The cadence of how I will tell you the story... Is kind of it happening, and then I'll give you more details. Okay. I don't know how to say this person's last name, so I'm going to try. Okay. Scott Paul Bierley. Bierley. They both sound good. Oh, don't hand it to me. Oh, God, it's so little. On the very top. Oh, my God. I should show you how I make my font like 14 and I enhance it. Enhance. (laughs) Enhance. Bierley. Scott Paul Beerly. Beerly. Yeah, sure. We'll call him Beerly. I know you're married. All right. Scott Paul Beerly entered the hot yoga studio. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about taking it weird, but. That's my tie. I doubled down. Hot yoga. Um, So he goes into this hot yoga studio at like a little after 530. Um, November 2nd, 2018. Damn, see, I went hella old and you went hella, <laughs> hella new. new. Um, he busts into this yoga studio. He shoots six people. No! Ah! Resulting in the deaths of two women. Okay. Um, officers respond within three and a half minutes Dang. of gunfire coming out. I'm always super impressed with the response time yeah. of in like when there's events like this. Do you this. think... Um... They're all kind of strategically positioned around the city at all times. Yeah, I think like, like they all have of, their zones okay. and they're spread out and you're, you know, you're cruising. Because maybe they make it so the response time so you can get there is super like, quick. Yeah. And I'll imagine like different times of day have different response times. Oh, definitely. Like and what's going on with the rest of the, yeah, definitely. So they get there in three and a half minutes, um, at which point they, the shooter is already dead. Wait, what? The sh- oh, because he, oh, okay. Um, there were, there was a bar across the street and they were, like, when they were being interviewed by people, they are saying that they saw um, people fleeing from the yoga studio, oh. like, running to the bar. That this guy came in, he was wearing a bloody, like, so this dude leaves the yoga studio, he's in this bloody white t-shirt. Was he going to hot yoga, or he just walked into he the He just hot- walked in and started got it, shooting got it, got people. Um, this guy escapes, and he runs across the street to the bar, and he says that he had charged the shooter and got pistol whipped, and that's why he's all covered in blood, that he mm. had, like... And so then a couple other people after the fact, um, they back him up and they're saying that, yeah, he had attacked the dude like he had a vacuum cleaner and a broomstick and that this guy like 
the shooter is shooting people. Uh-huh. This guy who's at the hot yoga class grabs a broomstick and a vacuum and like starts going after this guy that, to get him to stop. Like a big vacuum? I don't know. Like, is it a shark? Is yeah. it? I don't know. <laughs> Curious. Um, but because he did that, he other students in the class were able to escape. Oh god! Like he distracted the shooter. Yeah. That he kind of took it upon himself in that moment. Um, so the yeah uh, the yoga studio is part of this like plaza there's a restaurant and some other businesses nearby people in the restaurant like heard the gunfire um people came into that restaurant asking if anyone's a doctor like it's kind of involving like people got out and were immediately trying to find help um when police officers arrived so the two victims were maura binkley and nancy van vesem so maura binkley is a 21 year old college student and uh, Nancy Van Vessem was a, she was a doctor and a professor at the, co- there's like a local college nearby. Um, so Binkley was a student at Florida State University, so FSU. Um, she was a member of the Delta 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 sorority. Um, and she was supposed to graduate in 2019. So she's uh, like getting close. Yeah. Van Vessem was 61. She was a doctor and she was a chief medical director for a capital health plan. Um, she was a faculty member at Florida State. She had earned her degree from St. Louis University. Her focus was restructuring healthcare for people with multiple chronic diseases. Aww. So they're just like really, they're just good people. Yeah. They're just in a yoga class, like yeah. oh, just so living sad. their lives. So this dude, uh, Bierley, who went in and shot up this yoga class, he is a military veteran. And all this they kind of piece together. He's got some weird stuff hanging out online, like in on Facebook and YouTube um, where he's saying he was like, they're still kind of researching who he, cause it was so recent. They're still kind of figuring okay. all this out. Um, he was, he's always a 40 year old teacher and he had worked for the district just five months before. So he'd had a couple different teaching jobs and we'll get into that. Um, he had passed the background check to be a substitute teacher at this one school. Ah, and you'll, I'll tell you about some instances happened, but the charges always got dropped. Okay. And you don't, when you're doing a background check as a school, you're only going to see convictions. Okay. So you'll never see dropped files. Do they only do background check? They don't do a psych tech uh, test? To be a teacher? No. Especially substitute teacher. Like, you don't even need a teaching credential. Really? Yeah. Wow. You, you like, take a test and you have a degree. But you don't have to have everything that to be an actual teacher teacher. Because a substitute teacher... You, you, I mean, you get fingerprinted. Like, yeah. they do background. A substitute teacher isn't um, required to, like, carry on with the class. Are they just there to babysit for the hour? Kind of. Okay. But, I mean, there's long-term subs, but... Yeah. I know. Because I just remember in middle school when we got a sub for our band, we would yeah. just watch movies. Yeah. Okay. Depends on the caliber of the sub. Okay. Some subs will follow the lesson plan that the teacher leaves Got it. and others are like we're not gonna depending on what the subject is too we're not gonna get anything accomplished i'm just gonna make sure these kids are safe yeah um yeah depends on the sub got it no when we would have a sub in band we would all trade instruments and, that's what we did and change our names <laughs> and like pretend i remember uh my friend andrea took i think she was over in the drum section she played clarinet i think and uh they're doing the the roll call or whatever, and they go, you know, Brian, whatever. And she goes, um, it's Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the 
they get to her name, which is Andrea, and the guy's like, uh, that's Andrea, like, that's a mistake on there. Like, yeah. and everyone's just swapping <laughs> names and being silly. What's that skit with, uh... Chuck Wellen? Aaron, you've done messed up. Key and Peele. Yeah. Okay, so he had gotten fired from a middle school for unprofessional conduct. The complaint says, so he had asked a female student... How old? Middle school. Mm. So younger than 13. Asked her if she was ticklish, then proceeded to touch her on the stomach below the bra line. Nope. She was so uncomfortable while it's like, there's other people around. She like hid behind a friend of hers uh, while that's happening. She immediately reports it. Yeah. He gets fired, but again, nothing really happens. Quick little uh, side story. Yeah. Sorry. Have you, did you watch that documentary Tickled? No. Oh my God. This teacher keeps tickling students <laughs> and nothing comes of it. There's and then that, there's, there's, there's that whole, tic- there's that whole tickling, tickling. There's that whole tickling thing in that other show too. Ah! Okay. Mindhunter has a whole tickle yeah. offshoot. God. Okay. Adults tickling children. Is that okay? Is weird. If you're a parent tickling your kid, like. Depend- yeah. You know when tickling's weird and you know when tickling's not weird. And let's all agree that we all kind of get it when it's weird. Yeah. Some random administrator at a school should not be tickling people. Mm-mm. Your teacher should not be tickling you. Yeah. Ugh. All right. So there's just this litany, like more than a dozen schools that he's either taught at, been a substitute at. Um, oh. So the year before, uh, he had been fired from being a substitute teacher at Leon County because he was looking at porn during class. During class? During class. Like an old school computer. No, wait. Yeah. Oh, this is 2018. So he, he claims that he's looking at a football site when the computer just froze. But a computer history search confirmed he was just looking at porn and he, he was fired. He wasn't even doing it on his phone. He was doing it on like... Yeah. School. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so fired for looking at porn while in class. Tickles this girl. Like, there's yeah. so many red flags. From him as a substitute teacher. Things that he's doing where it's just like, well, now he's... Can't do that. Don't, and why don't do that the here anymore. Dropped. It doesn't. They just keep, it keeps okay. saying that they just get dropped. But so those ones aren't like. There's. I'll tell you more egregious stuff that gets dropped. Those oh. I don't even know if people will even like tried to press charges. Oh. Um. So press pre- charges. Yeah. Press charges. Don't let stuff go. Yeah, because it's gonna escalate. It's gonna happen to someone else. It's gonna escalate. Yes. Press charges. Ugh. Uh, so prior to that, so uh, when he came in to apply for. Ugh. When he came in to apply for a substitute position, several employees raised concerns about him. School records show that teachers were like, uh, not this guy, not this guy. Employees said he was acting extremely nervous, he was rude, and he had a scary and angry look on his face. So he's coming in to get sub jobs, and he's being so strange that teachers are like, uh, don't hire that guy. Yeah. And like making notes of it. Yeah. Uh, what state are we in? Tallahat, Florida. Florida? Florida man. Oh. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They were so afraid that they locked the doors when he left. And they hired him? Uh, Or this is other schools that he was like, but yes, this is the same time frame. I know that there is a dire need for teachers right now. Yeah. But listen to your instincts. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And if you think you'd be a good teacher, you're not a creep. You're not tickling people. 
go give, teach. Yeah, give back. Uh, they also suggest. <laughs> they also <laughs> suggested he. I just keep forgetting about all these details. They also suggest that he not be hired after learning that his password for application was Carnifex, which means executioner. What the shit? The district still hired him as a sub. Oh my god! So he's applying for the job. You have to make a password for your application, and his application password is executioner. Does he know people? Like, does he? Is he in like a network? Not of... that I've come across whatsoever. Oh my god! All right, executioner of education. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. uh, okay, so. Soon after the shooting, like, details start coming out about him. Uh, he had been banned from Florida State University's campus. Okay. And he had been arrested twice for grabbing women, although the charges had been dropped. No. So they initially pressed charges. Yeah. And either the women dropped the charges or the district, like, or the police decided to drop yeah. the charges. Well, and then, uh, I mean, I said press charges, but also I, I get that it's such a... It's taxing. It's taxing. It's emotionally taxing. You have to... The system is not set up to help you. Yeah. So I get it, but oh no. Um, But then you need to change the system. You need to make it... Yeah. So uh, Tallahassee police say that Bierley... I don't think I'm saying that right. That's fine. um, Had moved to Deltona after... So he had gotten his degree from FSU. So he'd gone to Florida State University. Um, So there's all these like old YouTube videos that he left so these are all like from 2014-ish yeah um he just keeps calling women whores if they dated black men he said that many black women were disgusting he describes himself as a misogynist like it's all very um kind of reminiscent to the videos that were left in the isla vista shootings Mm -hmm. that like and he mentioned that guy like yeah very much in that really negative online space Wow. Very anti-woman, very anti, uh, like there's a thing, I'll I'll come to it, there's a thing where he talks about like diversity being horrible. Um, Did no one do like a Google search for his name? Like wouldn't those YouTubes, unless it was under his name, I guess. Kind of, because then there's also people being like, his name isn't attributed to those YouTube videos. It looks exactly like him and he's saying personal details that match what people know of him. Yeah. Um, But it doesn't like have his name as like a... The person that posted them. God, that's um, awful. The man, so the man speaking in the videos looks like him. He gives biographical details uh, that match him. He talks about his military service. Um, he includes the word Scott in some of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So BuzzFeed, I think, were the first people to report on the video. Like, they found the videos. Oh, wow. Um, which BuzzFeed sometimes comes up with some real reporting. <laughs> you think of them as, like, whine about it and, like... Well, worth it yeah like there's silly stuff that they do yeah but they also there must be two like there must be two offices because some of their stuff is serious (laughs) some of it is not at all um yeah in one of the videos he said that promiscuous women deserve to be crucified and he suggests setting up landmines for people crossing the u.s border from mexico all right calm down he in another video um he likens himself to Elliot Roger, the shooter down yeah. in, uh, is he, Isla did Vista. you mention this? Is he a loner? He's a loner. Okay. So there's this, uh, one of the newspapers had interviewed this girl, Christy, and she had said that she was, she had a graduate class with him and she said in a Facebook message that she did not interact with him outside of the class because his, because of his odd leering. 
Um, inappropriate comments and just general demeanor yeah so he just kind of carried himself in a way that was off-putting yeah at least to this one woman um there's this other person so this is again like another facebook kind of message um she didn't know him very well but she definitely like said he definitely seemed angry and on edge so he's everyone that's encountering him is kind of like "Ooh, this dude is it's one of those things where it's like you can't report someone for being angry and weird yeah but you have that gut feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, Got to read that book, Fear. So witnesses told police that he had posed as a customer trying to gain interest into the yoga studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just started shooting. So Ugh. he just pretended to be a customer and then just started shooting everybody. Um, Are you going to get into why he chose that location or do they it, know? I, I read through a million different articles. I yeah. couldn't get anything as to why that like it still is random to them right now. Why yeah. them? Um I think it was a majority female in in there was part of part of why that because um, maybe he frequented like that bar or that coffee shop near there or none of none of like him being familiar with okay. the area was any of the stuff that I came across. Court records show that he was charged by police with battery in 2016, so battery mm-hmm. um, after he slapped and grabbed a woman's buttocks at an apartment complex pool. What records show that the charges were eventually dismissed. After he followed the conditions of a deferred prosecution agreement. Ugh. So he obviously made some sort of deal and yeah. they dropped the charges. So he had Gross. slapped and grabbed her ass in, in a pool, like an yeah. apartment pool. Um, he was also charged with battery in 2012 for grabbing another woman's uh, buttocks in a university campus dining hall. What? An FSU oh police report shows that he told police he may have accidentally bumped into someone but denied grabbing anybody. Yeah. So he's just like out there being a shipper. Being a weird. Wait, this is a side that yeah. you got out. There was that. Did I tell you this or did you tell me this? There's that guy who's cutting butts. Cutting butts? Yeah. What are you talking about? He would take a box cutter and just go up and like. No. Instead of like grabbing it, he, he wanted to. He Cut butts? Cut butts. You'd be in a, like a crowd or something or at the grocery store and, and you come by. you would just get your butt cut? Yeah. Where like, was this? When was not this? Not deep, but he would like. No, but doesn't matter. I'm going to look it up. Imagine if you got your butt cut. <laughs> Just randomly. Uh, butt cutter, man. Virginia butt slasher. Sentenced to seven years in prison. Seven years? I don't know what's appropriate Definitely. for slashing butts. People get less for rape. I know. Okay. The man who pleaded guilty to slashing nine women's postiers. Postiers. Authorities say he targeted women at malls and shopping centers throughout the country county and distracted his victims usually by knocking over clothing before slashing the victims with an exacto knife the (gasps) series of attacks began in february of 2011 and continued through july of year what what kind of knife is that oh like uh, you would use exacto like it's like a long skinny with the Uh, none of the victims suffered serious physical injuries though but he cut their butts yeah I'm very remorseful for all the things that are occurring and ask you to pardon me. Ah, get out of here. Yeah, he was just slashing butts. That is so... You know that if he didn't get caught... Oh, that was escalating. That was going to become something else. Oh, he was going to tie you down and... Yeah, dismember your butt. <laughs> oh. Did you finish your story or did you just put That's it essentially it. Okay. That's crazy. That's I am I am mortified that he was working with children. I'm mortified that that you that you could yeah. that you could 
grab someone's ass in the middle of a lunchroom and have charges brought upon you, then dropped, you're banned from a campus of a college, mm-hmm. then in a random apartment complex pool, you're grabbing and slapping people, charges get brought, they get dropped, mm-hmm. then you're able to get a teaching job with children, mm-hmm. you're fired from a job for looking at porn while in the classroom with kids, then you're touching a girl inappropriately underneath her bra on her stomach, she feels so uncomfortable, she can't, like yeah. complains about it, yeah. you're fired again, like... What in the world? And then it just jumps to him. And then he just shoots yoga. up this high yoga class. Insane. And they're still investigating that? They're yeah, it's also it new. I picked these new ones and then I don't have any answers because they're ah! getting so fresh. <laughs> I, yeah, there's just this angry... That That is common in some of these like spree killing ones where there's just this angry dude who, yeah. who is angry. I don't like it. It's scary. Well, thanks, Jackie. So, have fun at yoga tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) So, hot buttered rums. Don't forget. Yes. January 17th, National Hot Buttered Rum Day. Don't be the only one of your friends not drinking them. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, Be sure to check out our Instagram, at Killer Cocktails Podcast, or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up-to-date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at michellefirmdesign.com. Use coupon code KILLERCOCKTAILS, that's one word, for 15% off your entire order. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. Ha 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 ha!